This is Kaya Biz. Kaya Biz. With Google Legend 4P. On Kaya 959. On the street. On the air. 11 minutes to 7 o'clock and so often on the show we talk about wealth creation right how it is that we exercise our options to save invest for the long term and of course understand the multitude of asset classes that are available for us to actually build on our wealth but the truth is coupled with building wealth as is often said two things in life are guaranteed death and taxes. This evening we focus on the former by taking a look at how best we can adequately plan for our death despite how uncomfortable it might make us feel. So what's the point of building all this wealth and not having anyone to bequeath it to? That's the common mistake that many investors do make by not adequately planning for their estate and having the necessary documentation such as wills in place to ensure that they can uh, pass on their assets. To tell us more we join on the line by Head of Group Compliance at Alan Gray, Nishat Limbada. Nishat, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for having me and hello to all of your listeners. Delighted to speak to you, even though it's an often an uncomfortable situation and conversation to have, right? Uh, where we take a look at the reality of um, a death and how it might actually affect our assets and the assets that we choose to leave behind. Uh, and Nishat, maybe, you know, take us into your confidence, given your years of experience, you've often seen uh, a large number of South Africans who fail to put together walls in place. And sometimes the consequences can be rather uncomfortable. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. But before I get into that, I think that congratulations are in order. Oh, thank you. I just want to take two <laughs> seconds to actually say congratulations for the nomination of Best in Business and Finance Show wow. uh, by the Radio Award 2022. I think that that's yes. absolutely, absolutely fantastic. So thank well you done. Kindly, I really appreciate it. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure. Anyway, so, so to get to your point, yes, you know, absolutely. I think it's it's often something that we, you know, we get busy in our day-to-day lives, things change, we have children, we get married, you know, we're so busy actually running our day-to-day lives that actually our mortality and planning for what happens when we're not here anymore is simply not something that we actually think about. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the sad reality is that they are our loved ones who are left behind. And in a time when it's incredibly stressful dealing with, you know, the death of a loved one, they then also, in the absence of you leaving a valid will behind, have to deal with additional complications and far more stress than had we actually properly planned. Mm. That's true. And that adds so much to the frustration where I guess, um, you know, loved ones who are left behind not only have to manage the emotional turmoil of dealing with your loss, but also the, the, the administrative frustration of uh, uh, um, managing your, your, your estate. And maybe let's discuss the difference between, you know, uh, someone passing away interstate and someone with an adequate will that's in place and an executor. Help us understand the difference. And that will help us then set the scene as to why having a will and testament uh, is so important. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess let's start at the beginning of the story. So I think that there are two things that, you know, when I think about myself, um, you know, the journey that I've walked in my life, I think that there are two things that are actually fundamentally important for why we need a valid will. So if you're in a position where you have children, um, that's fundamentally important because you're then able to nominate a legal guardian for your children. Mm. And in addition to that, you're also able to control how certain assets in your estate are to be distributed. And I think that that's fundamentally important. Now, in your will, you are then able to nominate, um, you know, beneficiaries who will inherit. There are obviously some investments 
and I guess we'll get into that, um, that would call on you to nominate beneficiaries. Um, and to get to, to your question, if you die without a will, your assets will be distributed according to what we call the Interstate Succession Act. Mm. And actually what that means is that your assets might actually be inherited by people other than those people who you would have liked to actually inherit from your estate. In addition to that, Apart from winding up an estate being quite a stressful event, the winding up of your estate could also take far longer mm. and actually be more costly. On average, how long would it actually take? Oh, um, gee whiskers. So with everything that's happening mm. at the master's office, it really could take anything depending on the complexity of your estate from anywhere from six months to a year or, you know, if not longer. Ooh. Goodness, yeah, and that adds to a lot of pressure. Uh, I'm Absolutely. Keen, yeah, you, you're very right. And as you say, it also depends on your family dynamics, on uh, the, the mm-hmm. financial dependence that you might have, and, of course, understanding the, the assets that you also have and who you want to bequeath them to. Let's talk about a will. Uh, and, I, and I think so often we talk about this nonchalantly around family dinner tables that, oh, yes, I have a will in place. But help us understand what actually constitutes a valid will. Uh, and I ask this because so often... Uh, Perhaps we tend to get confused or think that there's only one agency or organization or institution that might be able to assist or that you even have to pick it up from your local CNA. But uh, help us understand (laughs) what makes it valid (laughs) and legal and binding. (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, the reality is that a world doesn't necessarily have to be a very complex and complicated document. Mm. And again, your, you know, the, the, the details that actually go into your world, um, will will really depend on what your own personal circumstances are. The individuals who could actually help you get a will would be professionals like your banker, a lawyer, or a financial advisor. And effectively, in order for it to be a valid will, um, you know, there are certain requirements, um, you know, as set out in the law where you really need to be as clear as possible where you are you know, state quite clearly what you want to happen with your assets and to whom they actually need to be bequeathed, that will will need to be um, witnessed. Um, And, you know, the other thing that's absolutely fundamentally important is that you change your will in the event that there is a life-changing event that has happened. So, for example, the birth of a new child, um, you know, a marriage, for example. And you also make sure that you keep your will in a place where you notify people that if something were to happen, they know where to look um, and you know how, how, to, how to go forward from there on. Definitely. And I think so important, as you say, for us to understand uh, where to find it, the institutions that can support us and speaking to professionals to to be able to uh, help us roll this out. And having the will is one thing, right? But it is important that we also understand the ripple effects. You mentioned appointing a legal guardian if you have minor children. And sometimes the assumption is made, you know, depending on your life environment, whether you're married in a partnership, co-parenting um, or even, you know, staying with your parents and you, you assume the grandparents will be the legal guardians. Uh, that often comes with a lot of technicalities and a rigorous court process. So I think let's underscore that one further before we do move to identifying um, the right executor of your ex- estate. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, you know, the issue with the legal guardian really is where you have both parents who actually pass away. Mm. Um, that then becomes quite a complex and, and, and often stressful process. And effectively, a, a legal guardian will then need to be appointed by the high court. Now, that's an application that, as you, you, know, as you said, can take quite a, quite a long time. Um, and the other result of that is that your child will then um, be without a guardian for that particular period of time. So I think it's very important that both parents think about that quite carefully and who would be that child's legal guardian, especially until they turn 18, um, and, you know, who, who would then be responsible for, you know, assisting your children mm. with things like school fees, et cetera, until, you know, they reach the age of 18. Very true. Because that's the same reason why we actually save and invest, right? And have these long-term investment plans um, for the benefit of our children um, and, of course, creating generational wealth. And I'm keen here to understand how critical it is for us to, number one, be aware of the investments and assets that we have. And, of course, in even understanding the technicalities behind um, either having a list of beneficiaries or including those assets into your will to make sure that they're fully accounted for uh, to reach the rightful um, beneficiaries and be allocated directly. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when I think about this and when I explain this to people, I like to think about it in three different buckets. So when it comes to your investments, like a living annuity, um, an endowment or a tax-free account that might be structured as as a life policy, Mm -hmm. in that scenario, an organization or an entity like Alan Gray will actually ask you to appoint a beneficiary. Um, And so in the event that you actually do pass away, um, you know, we would we would immediately be able to identify who that beneficiary is, and you know the child's legal guardian in the event that that were a minor child, or the major individual who were nominated as the beneficiary would then receive the benefit. So that's the first bucket I like to think about. Yes. The second bucket would be something which a lot of South Africans actually do save in, which is your sort of your more traditional saving product if you're employed, which would be a retirement annuity fund, a pension fund or a provident fund. Now, those are interesting beasts in that they are different rules. Um, and those types of investments or funds, rather, are actually excluded from your estate. Mm-hmm. Now, remember that those funds are actually managed by boards of trustees, and they would be responsible for going through a very robust process defined in terms of the rules of the pension fund, and they would be looking for what we call dependents and people who are actually factually dependent mm-hmm. on the deceased. And this is and where we can jump in so often where we yeah, often miss the mark, right, where pension funds come forward and they say there's billions and billions that have been left uh, in pension funds because we can't find the beneficiaries, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's absolutely fundamentally important that with any product that you have, be it a retirement annuity, a living annuity, an endowment, or even, um, you know, a tax-free balance fund, that you keep your beneficiaries up to date. Yeah, definitely. And their contact details. Uh, yes. Yeah, because that changes all the time and that's critical for us to actually track you down. Uh, and as we, we understand, Nishat, this becomes very complex, right? And there's legal terms, there's different family structures, there's uh, family dynamics as well that add to the pool, perhaps where you have a beneficiary um, who is not your, your biological child, but you are not necessarily appointed as a legal guardian. All of it can become very complex. Uh, and this is where we do need to seek um, professional advice from individuals who are lawyers and, of course, independent financial advisors. Help us understand, number one, when we approach these conversations to, you know, from the basics, drafting your will or even uh, working out what your wealth plan is for your family. 
what should we prepare for uh, in order to make sure that we're able to have a complementary engagement um, with these professionals for them to fully understand uh, our family dynamics and I guess honest expert disclosure as well uh, about our setup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it's important to have all of your documentary papers about all of your investments available and at hand. Um, you know, many, many years ago when I was in practice and I was drafting roles for people, yeah. you know, that was one of the first things that I would ask for is I would say, please, may I have a list of all of your assets? So, you know, that we have a really good sense of what it is that falls into your estate from an investment perspective. You know, it might be a car, a house, a bank account, etc. So really have a good mind. Exactly. Have Mm -hmm. a good mind, you know, um, or or rather have it front of mind what it is those things are um, that fall into your estate when you have this engagement with them. And the other thing is, I think, honesty and, you know, just really being very honest with the individuals of any complexity in the structure in your family. Um, And I guess, you know, that helps somebody drafting your will with the clarity um, and makes, I I guess, um, you know, makes it really clear and will help them give effect to your decision making in the drafting of your will. Yeah. Definitely. Honesty and full disclosure. And as you said, you know, there's, we shouldn't run into this thinking that, well, I don't have enough assets or I don't have enough money. Um, the little that you have, is, it's imperative that you fully understand how it is that you want it to be bequeathed. Um, you know, absolutely. A little bit of a personal story. Yeah. So my dad passed away when I was quite young and he definitely didn't have a massive estate, but he did leave a wife and three daughters behind. Yeah. And it was a really, impre- you know, it was a very stressful time for my mom and the one thing that she was able to do was pull out his wall and very quickly understand what it is that he needed to do um, or rather what he wanted her to do. And it, it really did take one of the pressures off her then being, you know, a single widowed mom with three young girls. Um, so I've seen it live out. And I really would say to your listeners to please think about it with that context when they decide to go out there and get a world drafted. Definitely. Oh, such an important and very relevant story that I think a lot of us can resonate with. Thank you so much for your time this evening, Nishat. Really appreciate your feedback. It's a pleasure and congratulations once again. Well deserved. <laughs> Thank you kindly, Nishat. Really appreciate it. That's uh, Nishat Linvada, who is uh, Head of Group Compliance at Alan Gray, joining us this evening. Alan Gray, Helping You Secure Your Future was brought to you by Alan Gray. Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. Kaya Biz with Gugule Tumfupi, Monday to Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. on Kaya 959. On the streets, on the air.